Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Gets Better, the podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Adkinson, and today's episode, it's going to be a little different, not if you're listening to where you normally listen, but if you are on YouTube, you might be watching this like, wait, what? You have a podcast? What's going on? So for a while, I feel like I just kind of spread myself too thin. I wanted to put all of my eggs in all of my baskets. I wanted to be on YouTube with a podcast. I want to write a book. I want to get into coaching next year. I want to be on TikTok and Instagram and Pinterest. And I realized I just was doing so much content on each platform that I wasn't really doing enough content well. Like I've had so many people from my audience reach out and be like, oh my gosh, I miss seeing you on this platform. Like, you know, what have you been up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm actually recording all the time. I'm just doing so many different platforms that it looks like I'm only posting on each place very sporadically when that's actually not the case. I mean, that is the case. It's just like, I'm not, it's not that I'm not creating content. I'm just too all over the place. And I was listening to Pretty Basic and she was talking about, uh, it was a a recent episode with Jackie Aina and she was saying, you have to remember that if you take eggs out of one basket, you have to remove the eggs from one basket. You can't put all of your eggs in all of your baskets. Like you, you have to run out somewhere. And that kind of hit me when I realized I really do try and put all of my eggs everywhere. And because of that, I I just don't give enough energy to any platform. So I decided I need to become better at repurposing, meaning I typically will do, a, the, the content that goes on my TikTok is not the same as the content that goes on my Instagram. I try and make it different and then share my TikToks to my so- stories. Um, the, con- the podcasts I film were, were different than my YouTube videos and so forth. So, and I realized that's a little silly. Not everyone is listening everywhere. I am gonna change that. My podcasts are going to start being video podcasts as well. That way I can still show up here on YouTube um, and also show up for you guys listening audio as well. So that way I can be both. Um, I'm not sure if you care about the rest of it, but I'm also gonna start forcing myself to share my short form content on Reels and TikTok and not making it where they can't be the same content. Um, I'm not sure where, I think I just felt like I, it was wrong of me to repurpose content. I, I think in my head, I've always seen it as well. If someone follows me on TikTok and Instagram, they don't wanna see the same content twice. But then I realized I typically don't follow the same people on multiple platforms. There are people that I religiously watch on YouTube. There are video podcasts that I watch on YouTube, but I have never listened to their podcast audio. There are audio podcasts I listen to that I've never seen if they even have video podcasts. I don't follow them on TikTok. You know, there's just different people I follow on every platform. So I realized I'm almost doing like a disservice to myself and the people watching by not letting everyone have access to the content I create. So that is something that I am changing right now. So this is my first ever video podcast. Hopefully it's good and you know, I'm sure I'm gonna. It's gonna take some what take some time to get used to it. I am using a blue mic right now. Like it, I guess you guys don't care about that. <laughs> I'm using a specific microphone that is usually for voiceover. So let's see if it works pretty well. Um, but I think I might switch to like a handheld mic. I might try and spruce this up. I am really realizing in this moment, people that do video podcasts, there's a lot that goes into that. You don't just sit down and record because you have to make sure the audio still sounds good and the video looks good. You've got to, and if you want to cut the, I'm also going to make sure I start cutting the podcast down into like bite-sized clips that I can also post on TikTok and Instagram, more repurposing. And then you have to make sure you're sitting far back enough. I don't even think I am right now. Let me sit back a little farther so that you can cut it 
properly into clips and everything like that. So there's a lot that goes into it. So mad props for everyone who's been doing this. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you something very exciting. I'm actually going to be a guest speaker on a very cool free free virtual manifestation event. You might know Oh My Annie. We have done a few collabs in the past on YouTube. Um, we've known each other for quite a while, but she is hosting a 10 day manifestation activation challenge. It is from November 28th to December 9th. It is 10 days. Every single day there will be two sessions, one that is led just by Annie in the morning, and then one later in the day where there will be a guest speaker. I will be the guest speaker on Wednesday, uh, November 30th at 3 p.m. Uh, PST 6 p.m. EST for one hour. I will be talking all about my life story and my manifestation journey and all of my tips and tricks. And again, there will be nine other guest speakers and there are some really good guest speakers that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear what they have to say. So you can sign up completely free for the entire thing. And if you can't watch it live, you can get the video sent to you uh, for free also the videos will be sent as a replay after if you can't make it live um, but i will put the link in the show notes of the podcast or the description of the youtube video so you can sign up and i can't wait to see you guys uh if you join and i hope you do okay i'm actually in a great mood today which is weird because we're about to talk about something really deep and i try and like on days when i'm in a good mood i usually don't want to talk about things so deep but i i really want to make sure this podcast is purposeful and I do think I've been, like I said, I've been a little like all over the place lately, so which has been exhausting me. I think this is gonna help where I can really get back to my purpose and making sure that I'm talking about things that I really care to talk about because I feel like there are topics that I'm meant to speak on and this is one of them and I shy away from it because I do get a little nervous and it's, it is deep. Um, and I've, I know this is strange, but I've never wanted to be the person that makes someone go on social media and feel down about themselves. I don't want my content to make people feel sad. And that's why I worry about sharing about this kind of like trauma and healing all the time. But I, I realize if I actually like think about it, I've never gotten DMs of people being like, oh, you make me so sad. I've only gotten DMs of people saying like, oh, thank you for helping me not feel so alone. Like your content really uplifts me and makes me feel better. So I think that's my own limited belief that I'm having to heal as well as realizing that this stuff isn't necessarily making people feel sad it is a necessary topic that maybe could just help someone feel better so i am going to get back to sharing more you know really purposeful content and really purposeful topics so we are starting with that today sorry a little bit of a tangent tangent time <laughs> that's what i'm going to call it every time i go on a tangent um but today i want to talk about things i wish i knew healing generational trauma i started talking about this on tiktok and that was where I got on that little rabbit hole of realizing I'm posting so much content everywhere, but not enough for all of my audience to hear. And another little tangent, tangent time, is I realized on TikTok and Instagram, for the most part, once you post something, it's gone. Like, yes, things can like pop off and go viral later, but for my audience, the people that have followed me and invested into my content, like not like not financially, but you know, like they've invested in a following me, they wanna see this stuff. If you miss a post on TikTok, say I post once a day, seven days later, like that con that video is so buried on my feed that you might miss it. And I realized I was talking about these things so deeply on TikTok all the time um, and on Instagram. And then two weeks later, people who might've missed it because you're not on your phone every day because people have lives and they're busy, aren't seeing the stuff that I feel like is really important for them to talk about. So I wanna make sure that I'm doing it here on my podcast, which is a place where you can go back and listen to these things so that people who you know aren't on TikTok and Instagram um, can make sure they hear this content because I feel like it's really big, important topics. And I feel like honestly, the podcast makes more sense to talk about this stuff. 
because one, my podcast is called It Gets Better, <laughs> but two, because it is a place to, I can dive deeper into these topics. Okay, I swear that's the end of my tangent. We'll actually get into the topic now, but I was thinking, this is a really weird thing to say. Maybe it's not weird, but I, I feel like sometimes I shy away or the reason I shied away from talking about generational trauma and the reason I wanted to share this episode of what I wish I knew when healing. And this is, this these, I don't think these things are only gonna apply for generational trauma. Um, that's just what I specifically feel like I healed the most from, but I've also healed from other things like toxic relationships. Um, I lost my virginity to an assault. Um, I know people like to correct me and say the correct word starts with an R and I know that, but you have to understand with these platforms, I can't say that word. Um, I have, I used, there was a video on my YouTube channel that was like, I think it was titled, I lost my virginity to R-A, you know what word I'm spelling. Um, and it was a very important video and it got like 600,000 views and not that that matters, but all these people saying how much it helped them. Uh, it got taken down because I used that R word because obviously I think YouTube does that like to protect people. They want to make sure their people aren't posting videos of things like that. Um, and you know, the back end is run by like AI <laughs> robots or something. They're probably not able to watch every video. Uh, and that video actually got taken down. And so I want to be able to talk about these things. And that's why I always get comments like, why don't you just say the actual word? That's why, because I don't want to, I don't want to, it kind of isn't, it's not fun for me to talk about these topics and things I've been through all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm constantly, you know, you're reliving it a little bit and I don't want to relive it for a piece of content that might get taken down because I used the proper word. So that's why I say assault. Um, but I feel like when I say things I wish I knew healing from generational trauma, it definitely will apply, it should apply to a lot of trauma. But these are gonna be my experiences, things that I have noticed. And the first thing is that I thought by now, which is something I think why I've shied away from talking about this, con this stuff as much as I used to, I used to be pretty open about talking about my mom and my past and my childhood. And I still am. I just kind of slow down with it. I don't talk about it as frequently. And even my manager recently, I was on a call with a few of my managers. She was like, oh my gosh, I just learned that you won a free apartment at Avalon. I just now learned all this. I didn't know you've been through so much. Like that's so inspirational. Like, why don't you talk about that more? And it hit me. I'm like, oh, there's some people that have no idea about some of my life story. And I realized that something I wish I knew with he healing generational trauma, maybe, maybe I felt like, an incorrect sense of embarrassment almost, is that I thought by now, like the, the farther I got away, like age-wise from my trauma, the more I'd be healed from it. That, And I guess that in a way that is true, but I thought the farther I got away from my trauma, the less I would identify with it, the less I would want to speak about it, the less I, less I would think about it, less it would be a part of me. And I actually realized that I am closer with my childhood self now more than ever. I am closer to my trauma now more than ever, but in, in, a, in a more healthier way. When I was younger, the way I would speak about my mom and my past, I mean, you know, I can get, I get a little embarrassed when I see that now, thinking, you know, I was pretty harsh when I was talking about it, but it's because I was, you know, I was not healed and I was angry and there's, you're allowed to be angry. Like there's nothing, your, your feelings are valid. My feelings were valid then, but the way I speak about it now is so different. And I think sometimes I get hesitant to talk about it because I'll get messages like, oh, I see that you say that you forgive your mom now that she passed. I thought you said like you would never speak to her again. How can you say that? And I think that's just part of my journey is like the farther, the older I get, the closer I connect more to my trauma, but I've also healed more. So it, 
it comes across different. And I think that's, maybe it's because as we get older, we start to see the things that happen in the world and realize, oh, I could never do that. When you're young and you're a child and someone hurts you, one, I think sometimes you don't even realize we're hurt. Sometimes we just don't even realize what happened to us. I don't think I understood that my childhood was abusive until I was, I don't know, in my 20s? I think after Avalon. I mean, when I was around the time when I won the contest, I was talking more about the fact that, oh, my mom's really mean to me and like all this stuff. But I didn't really realize like it was abuse. I hadn't realized how much anger and rage my mom and hatred she had had towards me as a child. And then when I got older, I think it, I just started to understand it more. So I almost was angrier towards her and more had more pity towards the childhood me. And now it's, I, I still have anger towards her even now that she's passed. I, I wish I didn't, but I do. But I almost have more pity for her now, which is so confusing. I, that's the thing. I think that's the number one thing on things I wish I knew healing generational trauma is healing can be really, can be really complicated. And maybe some people, the way they identify with their trauma at the age of 15 is the same way they identify with it at 30. But for me, it feels like the older I get, it the relationship I have with it changes for the better. Like I feel closer to it now, but I also can see it through a different lens. Like I am still, like I care about my childhood self more. And maybe that's why sometimes I almost get embarrassed with it because sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't want to create content my whole life that is about healing and trauma. I wish I didn't have to. I wish that wasn't part of me. And sometimes I wonder, does the whole world look at me like, oh, all she cares about is her trauma. But I realize that's not true. That's my own own inner workings I need to work through. And I think when I talk to other people, they, they look at me like, no, you have so much else that you talk about. You have so much else that you share. Um, if anything, you should be proud to share what you've been through because of how much you have built in your life now. Um, and maybe I've gotten embarrassed about it because I'm like, oh, I thought I would be able to move on from it now. I thought it would just be something that I didn't even think about, but I still think about it in a very different way, but it's still a part of me. It doesn't, it doesn't, con doesn't define who I am. Like if I decided tomorrow, oh, I never want to talk about this topic again. I never want to talk about my mom. I never want to talk about childhood abuse. I never want to talk about my assault. I never want to talk about the abusive relationship I had when I was younger. I could like I, I'm sure I could change career paths and I could do that but at the same time I know deep down that I feel called to it I just haven't felt I haven't like allowed myself to really share the way I want to share because I've almost felt embarrassed it's like I feel called to talk about healing but I also feel embarrassed that I'm still healing at my age that I guess I thought that by almost 30 years old, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's fine. That was just my childhood. And I realized no, because the older I get, the more children I see and the more I realize I could have never done that to someone. And the more I just want to hold my younger self, the more I want to take care of my inner child and myself, the more I want to love myself. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I need to accept that the way we heal and the way our relationship to our own inner child or past trauma is going to evolve as we get older and that's okay, but that's not something to be embarrassed about because it still sticks with us because it is, I don't wanna say it's a part of me, but it is a part of my story.
it is a part of my journey. It's a part of what I've gone through. And I want to get back to a place where I feel proud of what I've went through and I feel proud to share it. And I don't feel like embarrassed that I'm still working through this stuff. If anything, it's because I also want to remind myself that there are people who go through things every single day. And by talking about this stuff, like who knows who it could help now. So that's the first thing that I wish I knew with healing trauma is that healing can be really complicated. Your relationship to your trauma can evolve and can grow and can change and it can be very confusing. And maybe me talking about it was just a big jumble confusing mess. I hope not, but that's how I feel. It's confusing to me. Number two is something I'm really learning now and something that really hurts. And I, I'm, it's okay, I'm learning it, but you can't save everyone around you. You can only save yourself. You also can't bring everyone on your healing journey with you. Sometimes you have to go completely on your own. Sometimes there are people who go with you, but sometimes you have to go completely on your own. I had to learn the hard way that sometimes people... I... I had to learn the hard way that sometimes people are who they are. Some people don't want to change and some people don't have the emotional maturity as well. Um, I've had different examples in my past. One, for example, um, when it comes up, sometimes people, they have their own lives and you have to accept that. And is with me and my brothers, actually, I have two brothers and we are all so different. And I thought because I healed and I know how I feel healed that it was my duty to make my brothers to want to heal the way I've healed. And it's just simply not fair, I guess, to them to me, for me to force them to do something that maybe they don't want to do or maybe they're just not ready for. I have gotten in countless arguments with one of my brothers trying to convince him to go to therapy and to do all these things because they've worked for me. And recently he just kind of set his own boundary with me and was like, you have to stop. Like when I tell you I don't want to go to therapy and I don't want to talk about these things, I don't want to talk about it. And at first I was really upset and I was like, he just doesn't understand that I'm in the right. And then I realized his life is his life and my life is mine. We're all on our own journey and our own path. And I, that doesn't mean that he'll never go to therapy or that he'll never find his own way of healing. But I can't force someone. And even sometimes you see that someone could live a completely better life or a happier life or a healthier life. And you know that you have all these tips, but you can't force someone to listen. And it's, it's almost exhausting and takes away from your own healing journey when you're giving all of your well water, like see us as a well, like you only have so much water in your well. And when you give your water to other people, you're drying yourself out. So when you're giving your water to people that don't, that aren't asking for it, like you're emptying yourself out and you're not, you're not even, it's, not, it's almost not even helping because there's that saying you can take, you can force, take a water, you can take a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. I can give someone all these resources, but I can't force them to take action. I realize my, my drive to want to help people heal is better spent by leading by example and showing up where people want me to show up. Meaning if my brothers just want to talk on the phone and just catch up, that's how I should catch up. I should just be there for them as a sister. 
And then on my podcast, I can teach people how to heal. And the people that want to hear this information can hear it. I'm not forcing someone else. And that is, that is actually a really tough thing to come to terms with. Like I have really struggled with it recently because I just want people, I want people to feel happy and to feel good about themselves and to realize that the things we went through in our past don't have to affect us forever. But I also have to accept that they're kids. And it took me a while to come to my healing journey. And maybe that's what they need. Maybe they don't need to heal right now. There were times in my life that I just needed to live. And I just needed to not think about those things. And maybe that's where they're at. Like maybe the people that you want to heal, they're not there yet. They need to just not think about it. They need, like sometimes our bodies like help us survive by not wanting us to think about it. By not like, you almost forget about it. You know, when you, if you, Maybe you don't remember a lot of your childhood and then you get older and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I went through all this stuff and I kind of forgot about that. That's our brains helping us survive. Like maybe people are still in that part of their lives and we just don't understand because we want to help them. And it can be very tough, but you have to realize that when you want to go on a healing journey, when you're on your healing journey, you can only go on it on your own. You can inspire people by leading by example, like I said, and just living your life and doing what's best for you. And that alone will inspire people to go on their own healing journeys, but you can't force anyone else. You can just meet people where they're at and allow people to be who they are. And truthfully, we don't want people to lie to us. Think about when you were in high school or middle school, maybe there was like a friend group you really, really wanted to be friends with, but truthfully you had nothing in common and you were just different from them, but like you, they seemed cool or you just wanted to be their friend. So you try to be like them. You would dress the way they would dress and you would pretend you had, this could have been like a boyfriend too. I did this in middle school all the time. Like if a guy said that he, I remember this one guy told me he was obsessed with like the nature channel or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I watch the nature channel all the time. Did I ever know? Okay, absolutely not. But I would go home and watch the nature channel so I could see him and be like, oh my gosh, I watched about so-and-so on the nature channel last night. It was so cool. I wasn't watching these things. I was pretending to be someone so that I felt accepted by this other person. And we don't want people to have to do that for us anyways. We don't want people to feel like they have to pretend they're on this healing journey for us to accept them. Because that's part of healing is for me to accept other people as they are. Now, do you, does that mean you have to be around people as they are? No. Which leads me into the number three, which is understanding boundaries. Because, which obviously wasn't the case when it came to the issues I was going on having with my brother or the, the problem I was solving with my brother. I wasn't having to set up, I don't have to set a boundary with him because he wasn't doing anything necessarily that was harming me. He's just living his life in a way that is different than mine. And that's okay. So that is just something where I just have to realize, okay, I can't, I can't force someone to change. I can't anything like that. But there are people in our lives where we want to change them because they're hurting us or their actions are causing us harm. And that is where you have to learn to set the boundary. And a boundary is an act of self-love. It is an act of self-care. It is a way to take care of yourself. And it can be a really tough one, but it is a very necessary one. That is the harsh reality is realizing if there is someone in your life that is causing you harm or you're watching them do things that is harming you like that is where you can set a boundary but you still can't force them to change for my mom specifically I was watching her go down a really horrible path and it was really harming me to watch that so I stopped watching it like I didn't have to watch my mom do the things she was doing but I did have to accept that is who she is and she doesn't want to change and I spent years of my life trying to change her I spent money and resources and time and emotional capacity that I did not have trying to get her to change and nothing worked so that taught me a lesson of that's where the boundary comes into play that is where 
if someone is doing something that is harming me, I can set the boundary. I can tell them like, if you do this to me, I can't be around you. And that boundary might force some people to change. Um, but that is because they've decided to change. Maybe the boundary is a wake up call for them. But sometimes people aren't gonna listen and the boundary is gonna, gonna be the make or break moment. I don't wanna say a make or break moment, but there have been plenty of times in my life, not plenty, but there have been times in my life where someone is doing something that harms me and I just simply have to set the boundary and walk away. Like when it comes to generational trauma, maybe the family you grew up in harmed you in any sort of way and you're trying to change them and save them but it's just not simply working and it's harming you when they treat you certain ways or act a certain way towards you, you can set a boundary even when you can't change them. And maybe that boundary will be a wake-up call for them and they'll choose to change on their own but sometimes a boundary is more a saving grace for ourselves. It is protecting our peace but it can go, to, it can go either way. And one of the things I really had to learn while healing my generational trauma is that you can miss someone and still set a boundary. You can miss or grieve a relationship that you had with someone and still set a boundary. I can, I could miss all the conversations I had with my mom, even though they ended with fighting and screaming and her saying horrible things that led to me feeling bad about myself and still set the boundary because I can accept that that wasn't healthy. And that the only way I'm gonna be, was I was gonna be able to continue having phone calls with her moving forward was when she realized that when we have phone calls, she can't cuss at me and scream at me and she can't take her anger out on me. My mom was someone who always was filled with a lot of rage and a lot of anger and I was often her punching bag. And while just like everyone else, I wanna have all those, I wanted to before she passed, have all those calls with my mom when I, you know, was struggling, if I was had, if I had relationship issues or maybe in college when I wanted just to talk to my mom or you're making a new recipe and you want help on it and you're learning how to set up your first doctor's appointments, just like any of anyone else, I wanted to be able to call my mom in those moments. And I had to realize that I could miss those parts and still set the boundary because it, that wasn't what was happening. I wasn't calling my mom and that was the outcome. I was calling my mom and then in the end, it was her asking me for money and if I couldn't give it to her, her telling me how much she hated me and how much, how ungrateful I was. You know, it would, it wasn't going the way I wanted and sometimes we build up these scenarios in our head of how we want things to go. And because of that, it kind of forces us to ease up on our boundaries over and over and think, well, maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe this time she'll change. And instead of, hoping they're gonna change and giving them all these different chances, you have to set the boundary, stick with your boundary, and when they change, then you can continue, you know, you can continue on. I'm not saying you have to cut everyone out. I'm just saying, for me, a specific boundary I set with my mom was the moment she got angry or started yelling at me or saying anything that was mean, I would say, hey, um, I love you, but I can't talk to you anymore right now, and I'm gonna hang up the phone. And I would just hang up. I wouldn't just, I would say I'm gonna hang up, and then I'd hang up the phone. And she had to learn, instead of me hearing, what I used to do, I would always hear her start an argument. And then I'd be like, mom, can we not do this? Like, let's talk about something else. Or like, why do you feel like we, you have to say these things to me? And like, don't you think it's hurtful to tell your child that you hate them, um, even if you don't mean it? And then she'd be like, rah, 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 rah. that sounds to me the way, I, what, the way I was wording that. But you know, she would just go off in a ramble of, well, if you understood what I went through, and if you had a child like you in your life, and if you dealt with the, the things that I dealt with, and maybe you'd understand, and if I hadn't had you at a young age, and my life would be different, and it would always end up like that. And I would still, time and time again, I would tell I would tell the boundary, like, okay, I'm not gonna deal with these combos anymore. And then every single time she'd call, and she'd start to fight, and I'd be like, mom, come on, can we just 
go back to a nice combo. Like, do we have to do this? Like, I don't want to fight. And I realized I kept building up in my head that she was going to change if I kept giving her that like room to grow when instead I had to set the boundary and stick with the boundary. That is a big thing I've learned through healing is that when you set a boundary, you have to stick to it. And then eventually she started to realize it took two years of us not communicating. Eventually she realized that she couldn't have those fights with me on the phone. Could we communicate and talk about things we disagreed about calmly? Absolutely. But the moment she started telling me how worth worthless I was or something that made me feel just so much self-hatred for myself and self-loathing, I wasn't gonna put up with that. And over time of me sticking with that boundary, eventually she realized I was not the person for her to take her anger out on. And she started, she stopped, ex putting me in that role because that is another one. I think this is number four, is that some people will only know you from who they think you are. They won't understand your change and they only see you as a role in, your, in their life, especially family members. I love my grandparents. I love my aunts and uncles so much, but I was this like the messy kid growing up. I hated cooking, I hated cleaning. I was so messy. I never brushed my hair. I was wild and loud and you know, all these different things and I loved who I was as a kid you know I mean also was a struggling kid who was just surviving um but still now as an adult they'll make jokes this is like nothing serious they'll just make little jokes and comments like oh Lindsay doesn't know how to cook have you met Lindsay oh Lindsay doesn't do this like she probably doesn't even own a hairbrush and it just is such a reminder that people put us in a role of who they think we are and sometimes sometimes no matter how far we've changed they're never going to see us as anything different and either they're just going to have blinders on or they're going to get angry when you don't fit into that role my grandparents uh, my grandpa has passed but my my grandma now um she just makes these little like joke like oh Lindsay doesn't know how to cook and then if I cook something and tell her I cook she just you know is like oh my gosh good for you I'm so proud of you as if it's like this big accomplishment but I actually think that's sweet however with my mom it wasn't like they just see you as a little girl anymore with my mom it was like she'd fit me into this role of the child that always took her took the arguments. My brothers were str much stronger than me growing up and they really stood up for themselves. And I didn't, I was quick to just sit and listen to it because I just wanted my mom to love me so much. And I wanted, even if it took her saying these horrible things, I thought if I didn't leave her side in these moments, she'd realize, oh, well, Lindsay's always there for me. And I think that that is the role she put me in is I was the person she could call when she was angry, when things weren't going her way, when she was hurting because of her own addiction. and when she needed someone to blame for her issues, she knew that she could do that to me because that is the role she placed me in as a child. And sometimes we, we just get, we don't get, like, people stick us in these roles, but we have to realize that is not the role we have to play. That is not the role. If it's your grandparents and they just think that your favorite color is still pink, but now your whole house is neutral and every Christmas they buy you like pink, slippers and socks and they think you love pink, that's fine, that's adorable. You know, that's just someone seeing you as, how they remember you as a child that's cute but when it's something harmful you have to let someone you have to force someone to realize this is not the role i play and it might lead to anger and it might lead to stress that's how it was for me but when you learn to set the boundary that is where you start to protect your own peace and realize that we can heal without someone else having to heal too i often thought that I needed to heal my mom for me to heal. That I needed her to be fixed so that I could be fixed so that she could stop treating me that certain way. And you have to realize that sometimes 
that's just not gonna happen. It is such a beautiful thing if you, if someone does wanna heal, um, if someone does wanna change. Um, but again, going back to number one, we can't control that. And I had to realize that I have to protect myself and I have to take care of me now. And it's a scary thing to go on on your own and it is a tough journey, but it is well worth it, um, which is gonna lead me into number six, which is the imposter syndrome and guilt for your new life is so real. I wanna make an entire episode about this, so I won't go too deep into it today, but I have struggled with so much guilt for my success because of where I come from and when I watched my mother struggle and, and even seeing other people in my family struggle, I feel so much guilt and almost like I don't deserve to do certain things. And I don't share as much as I wish I did online, like of my life, because I don't ever want to seem like I'm not, a, I don't wanna say aware of where I come from, that sounds like strange, but you know what I mean? Like, like I know where I come from and I, I don't forget where I come from, but I'm also proud of what I built. But sometimes I get like uncomfortable, even showing my view of New York City, like I, I will sh share my view every now and then and I'll still get DMs like, oh my gosh, I did not realize that was your view because I don't share it that often because I don't want to seem like braggy and maybe that's something that happens for all of us. But I do feel like you just, I had this sense of imposter syndrome and guilt still. And that's something I'm still working through is realizing like I should be proud of where I am and like proud of what I've done, but that's just the truth. I don't want to pretend that I fixed that because that is something I'm still struggling with is, and it's not just for building, getting new things and financial gain. It's just other things in general. I still walk into a room of other people at events and I feel so out of place and like nobody's going to like me and no one's going to want to be my friend because I'm used to being the girl at my school that didn't really have a lot of friends. And struggled with making friends because of my home situation. I never wanted friends to come over. So many of my friends from one of my first schools, they saw what happened with my mom. I remember um, I watched some girl writing a note and I knew it was about me because I saw my name and later on we were at the sleepover, yada, yada. I shouldn't have done this, but I went through her backpack and I got the notebook out and I saw the note because they, they were like passing a notebook back and forth. And they literally mentioned how, um, they just sent somebody how like Lindsay's mom is so crazy. She's like literally a psycho and how she, someone had mentioned how they'd come to my house and they were so grateful because like my mom was like locked in her room the whole time and that they always get so scared would get so scared of my mom and as I got older I just stopped having friends come over there were very few friends of mine that would come over to my house and it was friends who I learned had similar home life situations to, to mine and I started to I just like feel uncomfortable with other people because I realized as a kid that people would would put me in the role, uh, almost like relate me back to what was going on in my home. I had a boyfriend bro break up with me once when his mom dropped me off, dropped him off at my, or picked him up from my house. He rode the school bus back with me and his mom came and picked him up and like saw where I lived. Um, and I remember he called me that night and his mom said like he could, and I had gone to his house a few times and his parents really liked me and they were so cute and nice. And we watched movies together. And like, I really, it was like obviously in middle school, but still I remember his family was very nice to me. But the moment they saw where I lived and they, he called me that night and was like, I'm so sorry that my mom, my parents said I can't like, I can't date you anymore. Like we can't talk or be friends or anything. And those things stick with you, whether it's from a generational family stuff or it, or it, 
bullies at school, mean boyfriends, mean coworkers, that kind of stuff can stick with you. And it's something that we have to fight to work through because it is not fair for us, for anyone. It's not fair for you to walk in a room filled with other people that were given the same opportunity as you and feel like you weren't deserving of the opportunity. Because if you look around and feel like everyone in the room was deserving to be there, but you, obviously then you deserve to be there too. And you have to realize that it's not you that's the problem. You are not an imposter. It's your mind that is telling you you're the problem when you're not. That is imposter syndrome at its finest. It is when you look around and you think everyone deserves to be there but you. And if you notice that, then ask yourself, why would I, why would I somehow be the one person that didn't deserve to be here? Because you do deserve to be there. In every room that you are invited to, you deserve to be there. Um, and don't let your mind trick you of that. And I'm still dealing with it myself because I don't like to go to a lot of influencer events and like stuff like that because I just feel uncomfortable you know I don't want people I don't know I think I'm always gonna feel like I was that little girl who the little boy said hey, I can't come over to your house anymore so I started being embarrassed of who I was and I think that that's why for a long time I didn't share a lot about my life online because I was I thought people would judge me but as you get older you realize no that's that's different when you're a kid like now it's like that's just who I am and some people are gonna accept that some people aren't but if you are struggling with that, like fight to remind yourself that you deserve to be in the rooms that you are in. And if you find that you're not in the rooms that you wanna be in, fight to be in those rooms because you deserve to be there. Like you are just as worthy as anyone else. Um, okay, so um, the next one is you have to look at your own habits and tactics as well. It, it When we go through trauma, we are going to leave with ways that we handle situations and um, habits and mindsets and beliefs that aren't necessarily true because we're like sponges and if we were filled up with water from a traumatic situation we have to wring that water out and, and fill it up with new stuff and if you are constantly around people that treat you horribly or you know you're not in like fun relationships and your things just don't feel good and you you have to stop and ask yourself, are you part of the problem? Something I had to come to terms with is I had a lot of friendships in my life. I'll make another episode about this as well, that I consistently noticed that they were playing the same role to me as my mom did. And I don't even think these were bad people. I think I just would go quickly into the role of doormat and people pleaser and let people know that whatever they wanted to get away with, they could get away with with me. They could walk all over me if they wanted because I just wanted people to accept me and to be my friend. And I realized I was putting, I was allowing these behaviors. Um, and then when I'd try to fix it, when I would, when I would notice I was in this behavior or the, these relationships that were, that were like this, I would, I'd wonder like, how did this happen again? And that goes back to boundaries of the first time that someone treated me like a doormat, I should have said, oh no, no. Or someone asks you to do something that you can't do. You don't say yes and take on more than you can handle. You say no and set the boundary and that's okay. And it would have, it would have, I bet those relationships would have flourished in much different ways because I consistently was, putting myself into situations that reminded me of my mom because I think our brains think, okay, well, I couldn't fix the relationship with my mom. Maybe I can fix someone else. And I was playing that role in other people's lives. And I, I can't do that. We can't do that. So you have to look at yourself as well and ask yourself, what did I leave this trauma with? Because I'm, it's, I, I don't want to say no one has left trauma without any kind of battle scars, not little, little scars. I hope not, but like without, <sighs> 
I don't even know what the, I'm, I'm blanking on the term right now. I don't want to say survival tactics. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Like, you know, the way our brain survived. I was a people pleaser because that's how I survived with my mom. When I would do everything she asked of me growing up, that's when she liked me. Um, when I would stay out of her way and be quiet, that's when she liked me. When she was in a good mood and I played the, the loving daughter who had a great, pretended like everything was great with my mom and watched movies and painted our nails, that was when she liked me. And it, I learned to mold to be the person that I thought people wanted me to be. And then I took that on with me. I constantly just wanted to be the people, the person that I thought people wanted me to be in order for them to like me. And I had to ask myself, is that making me happy? And the answer was obviously no. So then I had to fight hard to change that about myself. I, there was a lot of things that I did, mindsets and beliefs that I had that I didn't want anymore. I didn't want to believe that, I don't want to believe that I don't deserve, deserve to be in rooms that I am invited in. And that is where we have to heal ourselves. That's where we reparent ourselves. Reparenting is simply parenting yourself. And that is not always a fun thing. But you have to realize sometimes when you were a kid, when you were being parented, you wanted something so badly, but your parents say no. And you just, as because you were the child, then there's nothing you could do. You just accepted what they said. Um, that's Reparenting is like that with yourself. And sometimes it's easier to get away with things with our own selves because we can tell ourselves, ah, you can, you can do it, it's fine. But if you want to change your life and you notice that you're doing things and putting yourself in situations or maybe you have really bad communication skills, you fight a lot with people, maybe you know, you're know you quick to anger and you that's what you watched growing up, you watched a lot of anger and now you're like that or maybe your beliefs are that you're not worthy of good, a good life and you don't wanna be like that, then that's where the reparenting comes in you have to be stern with yourself. You have to literal, literally parent yourself and be like, listen, no, I'm teaching you some discipline. You're not allowed to talk, talk about yourself like that. Absolutely not. You're not allowed to turn down um, events that you want to go to because you feel like you're not supposed to be there. You're not allowed to, you know, I'm going to force you to learn how to communicate better. And then you take the steps that are necessary, whether that's therapy, uh, support groups, reading books about it, listening to podcasts, whatever it is, you know, taking it day by day. Um, you can learn to reparent yourself and help yourself overcome those things that you learned when you were in stressful situations. And okay, I want to go into two more. This is getting longer. I'm sorry, uh, getting long. Um, another thing that I've learned through generational trauma is we have to learn how to self-soothe. And self-soothing is literally taking care of yourself. It's the opposite almost of reparenting. When I was a child, I quickly learned that crying wasn't the answer for my problems. If I cried, my mom always just assumed, oh, you're just trying to make me feel guilty. Like you think I'm the worst parent. And so I started thinking, okay, crying isn't good. And I taught myself not to cry in front of other people. I taught myself to just kind of numb myself. And I've mentioned in episodes, I started to feel numb when my mom passed because I have felt so uncomfortable with crying sometimes. It's like I have to, it would have to like, I couldn't hold it in anymore and that's when I would cry. And now I'm learning how to self-soothe and self-soothing for me is crying. Crying makes me feel a lot better. Um, going on walks makes me feel a lot better. Um, watching a silly TV show, that makes me feel a lot better. But sometimes our self-soothing is not healthy. And mine for a long time wasn't. I used to skin pick, like pick my skin really bad. And actually I, uh, the reason I want to make this episode, something, another thing that made me think about it, is I have been skin picking pretty badly lately. I noticed my shoulders, I was really badly skin picking recently and I have to stop and ask myself, okay, what are you, what's happening? What's going on? Let's pick a healthier self-soothing. Like what, what gives you, what is that, what is the skin picking giving me? 
like it's just escapism. So I'm like, okay, can I escape with something else? And I went and I got a new book. And often, so sometimes we have self-soothing habits that are just, are really bad for us. You know, that's where people, sometimes it's self-harming, sometimes it is, maybe it's going back to old relationships that treated you poorly because you missed the person. Maybe it's scrolling too much on TikTok where you spend 10 hours on TikTok. Um, some people it becomes an addiction thing it can be drinking is self-soothing so i i invite you to figure out what are the the good ways of self self-soothing that help you and remind yourself of those in the moments when you need them the moments when you are feeling down and you're upset on this journey because it is it can be a tough journey whether it's getting yourself a blanket that reminded you of a childhood blanket that you had or a stuffed animal and letting yourself sulk if you need to and realize that's just part of being human. Crying is so normal and I kind of want to make merch on crying. Let me know if you guys would wear it. I really feel like I had an idea and I'm thinking of coming out with it pretty soon. I feel like it could be fun. Um, I don't cry, you know, whatever it is, you know, for me, I, it's just for me, it's crying, walking, talking it out. I love to just talk it out. Okay. I talk a lot with my husband because he's open to it. If you have friends that are comfortable having these combos, you guys could set up little vent sessions where you just vent about anything or finding a support group. There are so many free support groups. One of my friends recently told me that she found a support group for children of, um, addicts or, or alcoholics, and you can join it on Zoom. I've been to support groups before, but they were in person and sometimes that's intimidating. Sometimes you don't have the time. With New York, it's tough because of transportation. Um, and I found out you can do it from Zoom and people just sit on Zoom and just vent about what's going on. They ask for advice and they just listen and talk to each other. So maybe they have something like that in your area. But self-soothing is something I'm learning about a lot right now and I plan to keep learning about it. Um, and maybe I'll have you know more tips on that in a future episode. Um, but the final thing I wanna say of things that I wish I knew when I started healing my generational trauma is that that healing is heavy, but it is also joy. Healing doesn't have to just be crying and journaling about the bad things that happened to you and going to therapy and talking about the bad stuff. Obviously, some of that stuff happens, but there are going to be times when you are when you feel like you are past that. And there will be times when you look in the mirror and you tell yourself how beautiful you look. Maybe you grew up with a mother who constantly nitpicked the way you looked and told you that you didn't look that you weren't pretty enough and they made you feel like you that you that your worth was in how skinny you were or your your looks and maybe you have to overcome some really negative self-soothing of nitpicking yourself in the mirror and not eating properly and may I, I hope and I pray I don't you know that's a weird thing for me to say I don't typically pray but um I hope you come to a point and you will if you continue your healing journey where you look in the mirror and you're like, wow, I'm so beautiful. My body is so beautiful. That is also healing. Healing is also joy. You know, it can be meeting friends that that under that accept you for exactly who you, who you are. It can be waking up and drinking coffee and realizing you are now in a safe space where no one's hurting you. That's healing. It is watching TV without guilting yourself and thinking that you need to be productive all the time to be worthy. It is not it is just simply loving yourself. Healing, yes, we, I feel like healing is so often presented as this scary, stressful thing. And there are times when it is heavy. I don't wanna pretend it's not. Um, but usually that just comes on its own. A lot of healing, we, I think people often ask like, oh, how do you heal? I'm like, I feel like it's just something that happens. It just, with time, it happens. But the reason I think sometimes it doesn't just happen is because, is because we don't allow ourselves to feel 
because we're afraid to cry. We don't allow ourselves to just feel it. Um, and I think if you just allow yourself to be and accept, um, it kind of comes on its own. And then if you start to work through the things that, like those, like I said, those survival tactics that maybe you don't want, you don't want anymore. Maybe you are ready to let go of, um, you can do that. And then before you know it, you realize healing is a lot of good things too. And it's a very worthwhile thing. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took something good from it, but I will talk to you all very soon. Bye.